Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Sophie Cunningham is the author of nine books, including the novel This Devastating Fever and the essay collection City of Trees. She's also a teacher, mentor, climate change activist, and every day she posts an image of a tree on her Instagram at Day. Sophie is the chair of the Australian Society of Authors and an executive director of the Copyright Agency. She performed this story at Sydney Writers' Festival. pretty wonderful to be part of tonight. Every speaker has just been really wonderful. It's a strange thing to reach the age your parents were when they first suffered from the vagaries of ageing, or perhaps I just mean the vagaries of being alive. Because they weren't significantly older than me, they were only about 20 years older than me, I hadn't seen it coming. Not that that would have changed anything, but the point is that all three of my parents had serious health problems by the time they were in their mid to late 50s frontal lobe dementia, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, a fourth relative, a beloved aunt got Louis Body's dementia, both my father's and my aunt were dead, you know, around their mid-60s and only my mum's still with us. Then a few years later, I hit my 50s. I turned 58 in 2021 and that was a fucker of a year (laughs) for all of us. In Mount Macedon, where I was living, we had our own particular iteration of weirdness. As well as COVID and blah, 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 I don't want to talk about that shit show that those years were, there were massive storms that ripped trees up all through the area. In fact, an olive tree fell on our bedroom window. And no serious damage was caused at all, but it really ratcheted up my wind phobia. Serves me right for writing a book about a cyclone a few years ago. But my developing phobia was not helped by an incident in Iceland back in 2018. And the wind is so wild in that country that expected wind gusts are posted in real time by the side of the road along with amber, red and green lights. Because I was heading to a conference, I drove on an amber morning and there was a moment when the wind came up under the car literally and lifted it off the road and then dropped us back on the road. I weed myself almost. <laughs> and I was reminded from one of the quotes from my book about Cyclone Tracy, in which a really old woman talked about crocheting through the cyclone, but then it got to a point at about 1am on Christmas morning, this is Darwin, 1974, she said, it was like a giant running his hands down the side of the house and going, Vroom! and you could feel the shudder of the wind going. Anyway, I digress. I always do. So, 58... 2021. On the plus side, my wife and I did a week-long walk down the coast of southwest Australia in a miraculous moment between lockdowns. When ensconced back at Mount Macedon, we saw Venus scintillating in the sky. There was a blood moon, a meteor shower. I finished a novel. On the minus side, COVID, endless lockdowns, storms and an earthquake. Seriously, a fucking earthquake in central Victoria. Who knew even we got earthquakes in Victoria? I did not know that we got earthquakes in Victoria. 
Another segue, my only experience of earthquakes before that had been in California, when I, acting on advice, organised an earthquake kit filled by a tote bag with a water bottle, a photocopy of my passport, a garbage bag for wearing, a pair of thongs and some underpants. <laughs> and I actually remember this from the Cyclone Tracy book. I did say that the main advice that I would offer people is always have good footwear close by during a disaster. Anyway, I was thrown out of bed by an earthquake once when I lived there, but I never did need to use the kit. And it's an indication of what a shit year it was that the earthquake in central Victoria was actually fun. <laughs> fun, if somewhat portentous, as if we needed any more portent. Anyway, it's very cold in Mount Macedon, and the potbelly stove played up, and microbats slipped into the house at night and our pandemic kittens chased them around the room until they fell exhausted. My wife and I, we too were exhausted. I woke up one night in the middle of such a night and found myself looking into the eyes of a fox. Extraordinarily beautiful, a lucid dream. On a second night, the trees were silhouetted against the wall, waving wildly in the wind with the full moon behind them. The only thing was the shutters were closed and there was no light in the room. On a third night, I woke up to the smell of vomit permeating everything. I checked my wife, she was fine, she was sound asleep, same with the cats. It was another kind of lucidity. I was having olfactory hallucinations. This phase of who knows what the fuck was going on got worse. I started hallucinating during the day while smelling weird things. The smell of rotting meat permeated everything. It was that or rotting citrus. I tried to fight off memories of my aunt telling me about her crazy dreaming life of my stepdad's vivid dream before his diagnosis. I went on to Google, and you've all been told this, but I'm going to repeat it. Do not go on to Google for medical advice, <laughs> ever. Physical stuff started happening. My knee was weird. My leg gave way a couple of times. It was probably just a result of the long walk in West Australia, but still not great. I broke up out in hives. I never did get COVID. I saw doctors. <laughs> and one of them was seriously concerned. I was seriously concerned. I became convinced that my fate had been sealed by genetics at conception. Suffice to say that I had several tests and was pronounced fine. If I had a problem with the stress and anxiety had sent me mad. I gave up coffee, I gave up alcohol, I went to the gym, lockdowns ended, cured. <laughs> this is a very long-winded way of saying that come my 60th year, a year which I mark in full health, I realised that a celebration was in order. I wanted more joy in my life, or perhaps what I mean is I wanted to get back to the joy that came easy to me when I was young. I wanted to take more drugs, not less of them. I wanted to get the tattoo. Well, it means some of you have already seen the tattoo. I did that, like, last week. I've been threatening for 30 years to get a tattoo. I'm pleased that in the 90s I was talked out of getting Om Money Pad Me Om in Tibetan letters down my arm. That was a good call. Thank you, people who talked me out of that, but I'm happy with the tree. I wanted to dance more. I just wanted to, you know, see this as the start of, of a new phase of life. So I started to work on a list that would help me live life to the full. I wanted to offset my tendency towards pessimism. That pessimism has not been encouraged by a professional focus on climate change and the fact that I've been attempting to make a living for the last 20 years as a writer of literary fiction and non-fiction. A fool's errand. <laughs> the first thing on my list was to take acid. 
Something I've been scared to do because I'd had a lassie spike back in 1985 or so and then ended up lying in a hotel room in Gisalmere seeing skeletons come out of the walls of an ancient fort. Not a great start, but the time had come to let go of the past. I read Michael Pollan, of course. I talked to a friend who had done guided trips. Then I discussed the idea of acid extremely earnestly with a local cafe owner who I was sort of going on some detail about my anxieties about this and he just said, chill the fuck out. <laughs> and he reached into his pocket and he gave me a tab and he said, you take half, your wife can take the other half, she can keep an eye on you, make sure you've got 12 hours, go. <laughs> I did not go at that moment, it was, that was too much for me, but you know, it took a few weeks, I have to be honest, to find 12 hours when I wasn't going to be having dinner with mum that night or you know, any other complication. And even then, unable to abandon my earnestness, my wife and I set our alarm early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so we could be in bed on time to start the week. And we walked up to Royal Park in Melbourne so we could watch the dawn as the acid came on. It was a summer morning. And this was a really nice thing to do. But it was after sunrise that things became really interesting. <laughs> I've written quite a lot about Royal Park and its history, so it's not surprising that I had glimpses of its deep pre-invasion past. Well, I imagine that I did, and that was pretty extraordinary. But I became fixated on an old sugar gum. It was breathing. Its trunk expanded and contracted, and it had spotty, scarred bark, and the bark turned into mouths that opened and closed. And I was thinking to myself, you're an old tree. <laughs> and a wise one. Anyway. At a certain point, we became worried we would get sunburned. <laughs> and on the way out of the park, we walked past a very beautiful, young, lemon-scented gum. In fact, I showed a, after all this, I showed a picture of this gum tree to my editor, and she went, that's a hot tree. It was a hot tree. <laughs> anyway, it shimmered in full psychedelic glory. It was just extraordinary. And I actually said... Youth. <laughs> Youth are the future. Before, you know, filling the tree up. <laughs> and my wife took a video of me hugging the tree, so I have evidence, and then she hugged it as well, which is not her usual mode. And we looked around to see a tourist taking photographs of us <laughs> hugging the tree. Then we continued our hero's journey. We had not planned really the whole getting from Royal Park back home. And this walk took on mythic proportions. <laughs> I was walking through suburbs I'd lived in through decades. I was born like 10 minutes from where this trip was going on. I knew the place like the back of my hand, but everything was pulsing and the roads were writhing. And then I bumped into a work colleague, which was not <laughs> great. And that was when I realised that I'd worn this loose shit, why my tits are hanging out. I had, I had feathers in my hair and leaves in my hair because Virginia had been putting feathers in my hair. And then I bumped into a, 
friend who, that was fine, but his son, I could see his son going, oh. <laughs> And then we finally got home after what felt like years. <laughs> and we put on Bitches Brew by Miles Davis and I listened to it in full Technicolor glory and I had full synesthesia and it was a beautiful thing. And that is the end of my story. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, share your favourite tales on the socials and follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates. If you enjoy Queer Stories, consider supporting the project on Patreon. Check out the link in the episode description. Finally, for late night ramblings, gay shit and photos of me trying to garden with a baby on my back, follow Maeve Marsden on Twitter and Instagram. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.